if you could build a business in the modern world as big or as small as you want without having to compromise the things that were the most important to you in the very beginning? This is the Wealthy Consultant Talks podcast with Taylor Welch and Mike Walker, as they share with you today their learning lessons from stories in their experiences over the past 10 to 15 years and share with you right here, right now. Let's get into it. All right. What's up, crew? Welcome to another episode of TWC Talks. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I uh, sort of sprung this on Mike last minute and so he's still finding the uh he's still finding the notes it's number 10 we're talking on this one mike about how to delegate effectively as a business owner um good morning by the way how are you in the wee hours of the morning in the california countryside i'm doing fantastic man i'm doing fantastic and uh, excited to have another guest i think jumping in here as we're uh getting popping yeah we'll see who cares? We'll see if he can make it. And if he can't, then he he won't. So uh, we talk a lot inside of our uh, communities about team. I think that if you look at, and, and I want to know about you as well on this, but if you look at my number one, number two, and number three, maybe top mistakes in my career over the last 10 years, I think number one would be people. Number two would be people. And number three would be people. Uh, just, man, it's a hard thing to learn how to attract, train, take care of, manage, and retain a great team. Has this been something that you have found as, as, a, as a particular challenge, or is it just me? You might have been born a great leader. No, no, no. Definitely not just you, man. Definitely not just you. I mean, it's. Uh, I don't know if this comes off right, but I've found that when it comes to you know hiring people, it's a lot like the dating game. You know, When you're first getting started out, Every person you meet seems, oh, this is really cool, this and that. But if you've been in the game for a while, you start to pick up on the nuances of what people say, what they do, even subtleties of how they look at you, how they move their body language. All the things start to kind of come together. You start to see it through the matrix, right? And unless you train on that specifically, you learn the hard way. And I know for damn sure I learned the hard way the first several years of entrepreneurship, like yeah, you know, some of those things yeah. sneak up on you and you don't even know what you signed yourself up for with an employee until way you're way down the line. It's it's a it's a hard one. Uh hi Todd. Did you decide to come hey. to this episode? Yeah. Oh, there's Todd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll you know, tech gremlins like, will get you get everybody. It's not just me, guys. It's yeah. not just me with the tech gremlins, okay? So nice. Todd, we're talking about team and how the biggest mistakes I've ever made in, in my career, I think, have been related to team. Um, and how big is your team right now, Todd? Uh, right now, it's down to one from six. And so that's also sometimes a common theme in MDC. <laughs> but uh, but it's also about like, I, my my mistakes, I think, with uh, team were not with the people necessarily, but with myself as a leader, and that's what I've been learning. Also, well, that's so always the that's, case. Yeah, yeah, that's always the case. It's always the it's it's always always the leader. Yeah, and it's either because the leader put the wrong person in the position, or the leader allowed the wrong person to stay in the position that causes typically like team decay. And I'll, I'll say this, mm -hmm. like, I think that when, when you look at like 
because we do talk about this a lot inside of our, our programs, especially with our higher tier people, because what will happen is business owners will come in and uh, they'll get on a call either with me or with Mike or with Gabrielle, who's our chief of staff and she does all of our systems and she's freaking brilliant and, and knows people like the back of her hand. And they'll talk with one of us and they'll say something like this. Um, yeah, I'm spending all of this money on all of this team and I feel like I'm still doing everything myself. And we're like, okay, well, why are you paying the people? <laughs> why are you paying people? So, and it's, it's classic. This is a classic. We're an entrepreneur. Well, I call it double payment. Um, and we can get into some of this if Mike has time. I think he, he's got to bounce here in a second. Double payment is when you are paying twice for the same labor. And it goes like this. You're paying them via the monetary currency that you're paying them, which is a paycheck. And you're paying them by having to do the work for them. And you're paying twice for the same thing. And it's a, it's a epidemic inside of small businesses where it's like you have the wrong team, but you're unwilling to do the hard thing. And so you leave that team and you slowly, it's a slow death by a thousand cuts. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Solid, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, very much. Yeah. And it's not even the wrong person too. Or, or like, like you said, like you're, you're hiring the wrong person and keeping them too long. Or sometimes it's we overpower them in their position and when we should have let them grow or lead them in a different way. And then we ruin them in our business as opposed to them just being the wrong person necessarily. You know, that that's what I see a lot happening a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, Because you're never going to find somebody that's like a hundred percent. Most like, most likely you're not going to, you're not going to find somebody that's a hundred percent, but you're going to find somebody who can get to 80, 85. Sometimes you can find somebody who's a hundred percent, but when you have like a fire hardcore, like let's look at Elon or, Steve Jobs or some of these like just legendary founders, man, that the reality is at their one thing, you're not going to find somebody who can do a hundred percent, but you can find people who are better than you at the things you don't like, you don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes there's a learning curve there and you've got to be willing to let people make mistakes and come up to speed. And, you know, maybe even, I I love this where it's like, people are like, you know, I am, uh, I am hiring somebody to do the thing that I used to do. And it's like, okay, we'll ask them. Um, how many mistakes are you willing to let them let them make? And they're like, as many as they need to. And then they fire them because they make mistakes. It's like you as the entrepreneur got the opportunity to make mistakes, to learn what you know today, but you rob your team of that same opportunity because they're under the gun and they're not allowed to make mistakes. Mike, you want to talk about this a little bit or you want me to keep going? Yeah, no, I mean, it's solid. I, I think, um, you know, I had a mentor a long time ago. He told me uh, leader of one, leader of many, if you can't lead one, you can't lead any. And people, they they have to be able to lead themselves. They have to be able to like, anything that they want to have their team do, they need to be able to illustrate in their own lives. Like, this is how I operate, lead by example, right? So you can either be the boss, just like prodding, trying to push people forward, or you can be pulling them as a leader. Like, look, this is what it looks like to do this right. This is what it looks like to show up every day. I mean, Taylor's like a perfect example of that. And, you know, we don't, we won't go on the details, but as an entrepreneur, I don't care who you are, how long you've been in the game, like you're going to grow through some serious trials and how you show up on a daily basis to your team is going to illustrate what it looks like to do it right. Like, yeah, we're going to fail forward. We're going to mess up. It's not going to be pretty all the time, but I'm still going to show up and giving Taylor nailed it, like giving your team the bandwidth to be able to make mistakes. Sometimes it is failing forward. Sometimes it's not pretty all the time, but do they get up? Do they keep pushing? 
I mean, that's what you're looking for. You know, we, we talked about this with, um, a member at the last big fly-in that we did in, in, uh, January and talking about a players, you know, and he's like, well, I don't know if my team's an a player or not. And Taylor and I looked at each other, like you're in the answer then like you, you either know, or you know, (laughs) there's no guessing there. You know, if you have a players or not. Um, and yeah, you just, you have, you, you have to lead by example, but then you also have to be able to identify when people are, are truly of caliber that you're looking for or not, and be okay with that. And either they stay on, like we see far too often where they just kind of hope that they'll someday catch up. And then other times that are not. And I know Taylor's been known to uh, be a little bit faster on that, but I think that's, that's what it takes. You know, you have to be willing to make decisive decisions. I, I have models. I know shocker, uh, believe it or not, I have frameworks that I use to make decisions on team because I believe that sometimes if, you know, if, if you don't have the, like you need to be quantitative, not all qualitative. Cause sometimes, you know, I, I what I don't want to happen is I wake up in a bad mood. Somebody made a mistake and it's like, you're done. I think that that's more of a risk for me than, than the alternative, which is like leaving people too long. So I have built models inside of this business and, uh, you know, Gabriel knows them really well. Mike, you're starting to, to kind of grab those and, and run with them as well. But one of those models is if I can't, if I am stuck with this person for 10 years and I cannot get rid of them, would I still feel great about hiring them? And it's amazing how much this will save you because most of the time you're like, well, I don't really know. Okay. Well then, you know, like, just push pause on it. And I think that people listening to this probably are like, that's impossible. That's ridiculous. It's like, no, it's not impossible. It's just difficult. Like to make really good decisions that don't have to be reversed tomorrow is difficult. But if you can master this, uh, it'll, it'll save you from the number one sin inside of building a business, which is hiring the wrong people. I say that there's two things that can ruin a business, hiring the wrong people and taking the wrong clients. Um, and so you, you have to avoid at all costs hiring the wrong person if you can. And one of the other models is, um, if I had to trade places with this person and they were my boss, how would I feel about that? And this will give you more of the qualitative side of, of how you feel. Like, let's take Mike Walker for, for example, Mike, you have been on the team since when November, November maybe, yeah. of 2022. Yeah. Um, I mean, like this would be a classic example where it's like, if I was in a, if I were going to go into a business and, and let's say me and you had to trade places, um, I know that I would be treated fairly and I would be treated correctly and you would give me clear guidelines and to the best of your ability, you would steward me well, right? Like I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't die you know, and, and I would be trained well and you would, you would put me in a position that leverages my strengths, not my weaknesses. You know, if I had to trade places with Gabrielle inside of her lane, I know that I would be treated the right way. And I think that this is really important because I, if I'm being honest, the, the companies that have not done well, that I have owned or, or partnered in, if I had to trade places with the person, I would quit. And that's a telltale sign of like, you have a bad team, bro. Like you are not training, you're not building an A team. You're building a B, C, D team. 
Uh, and once again, this model is really difficult, isn't it? Like, it's just hard. Yeah. But yeah. it will save you so much grief if you honor these two constraints. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I know you um, you said it before, probably in, in slightly different terms, but how, you know, an A, an A player tends to, by default, if they're not careful, hire B players because they, they feel like, well, I, I can manage those. I can control those. And then what happens? Your B players, what do they do? They get C players, right? So it's like this downward spiral effect versus everybody now, like on our exec calls, everyone's an A player. Like, dang, this person rocks at their world. Dang, they kill it in their lane. You know, that that's just a very different environment versus a hierarchy environment. Like, you know, do what I say and that I've, I've been in those environments, you know, in the wholesale industry world, especially where you have, you know, your, your regional guys and your VPs and you have your, you know, regional managers, then you have your field reps and the field reps have their, you know, counterparts. And it's just so much of a pyramid structure. It, it gets pretty, uh, pretty brutal down there, but creating what we hear, what we have here at TWC is just so different. It's like a way more synergistic environment. Let me play audience member yeah. here and throw some questions at you guys as it comes up. Like, so when you talk about a players like this, it sounds like that means when I hire a person, then tomorrow they're going to take over and be a hundred percent in their lane and like superstar rock star, as opposed to like, is that number one, is that the reality? And number two, if it's not like, what, what does it look like? Like what is an a player in terms of like the skill set of the job versus the person that they are? And when do you give and take on either of those areas of them to say, all right, they're going to come in, they're an A plus person. And I know they just need the opportunity and the at bats to grow. And they're going to be a hundred percent. Like they could be my boss in the future. Yeah. Let me, let me tackle that first and then we'll see what Mike thinks, but now I'll tackle the second question first and the first question second. And so in reverse. The the way that I view team is there's a trifecta almost and the 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 pinnacle of that triangle is culture and culture would be attitude and it would be uh, coachability and positivity and we have a culture codex. In fact, if you go to um, if you go to wealthyconsultant.com, there's a blog article and I think it's called like pillars or something and. Um, Apologies, I don't have the link. We'll put the link in the show notes for you guys. Um, in that, there's there's this download that's called like the team uh, team dashboard or cockpit or something, and it basically walks you through. You can see our culture codex and how we run our team. At the top of that pyramid is culture. Is this person a positive person? Do they fit? Would I would you know would they get along? Are they a negative Nancy? Like, do they have a good attitude? Do they have a resourcefulness about them? And then we go to the second place, which is competency. And I think this is the second most important, which is like, do they have the skill set? Do they have the talent, the raw ability? You know, Mike couldn't lead a department if he couldn't communicate. You've got to have competency. You can't have a client services director who manages multiple companies who doesn't know how to, how to talk to clients. There's competency has got to be there. And then the third thing, and I think people really mess this up, they miss this one and they ignore this one and they don't even think about this one is experience experience, particularly in this lane, because when you hire someone with experience, they're no longer saying like, how do I do this? They're looking at how do I repeat this? I've done this before. Let me do it again. And what that does is it gives you speed. 
And so experience typically gives you speed and it gives you uh, a, a relative risk protection from them doing it the wrong way because they've done it before, they've messed up. Is this making sense so far before I go into the, sec- the first question? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. The reason I started with this second question is because that third piece, which is experience, gives you an indicator of how long it will be for this person to come up to speed. If they, if you have somebody who's great culture and great competency and you're just like, I love this person, I know that this is the right person, but they've never done it before, you need to take whatever timelines you think that they can get up to speed and double or triple them because they have never done it before. And therefore, it's going to take them much longer to figure it out versus someone who is like, they are, uh, they were, you know, a client services person here and they're coming over because they're passionate about the brand. They can do it a lot faster. So I think that we're talking like minimum, it's going to take somebody, uh, I don't know, three or four months just to onboard and get into the, to the processes and what's going on. And then you're really looking at like, Gabrielle makes fun of me for this all the time. She says, uh, you don't like somebody for the first six months ever. <laughs> And uh, it's well, Mike, you're just about to emerge into likability. That means <laughs> I'm almost going to be it's cool. Not I, it's not that it, it's not that I don't actually like them. It's just in the first six months, I don't know them and they're onboarding and they don't know me. And so they, you know, they don't know how to communicate with me and they, I don't know how they think. So, you know, this is actually perfect. Like Mike, you're, you're in, in the past two to three weeks. I think that we've finally gotten to a place. It's not that I didn't trust you before. It's just, we didn't ever talk. And so now yeah. I'm like, oh, Mike's thought this through. I don't have to message him about this. If I do and he doesn't message me back until three days later, I don't care. I'm not like, what is he doing? You know what I mean? Like we're past that point where it's like yeah. there's enough history there. But that first six months is always a little bit tricky because you just you, you don't know the person. That, yeah, that would be my time. answer to that question. Yeah, I would say, too, from a culture standpoint, like we go like we talk a lot about on the marketing side, creating content, putting out building reputation and brand. And like I'd be curious, Mike, like how much did that play a role in understanding Taylor as a person who was going to be your boss and knowing the team and culture because of how much stuff is out in the world about TWC and everything that's going on? Yeah, I think there's two facets. There's the front facing the, the side that the public would see, right? And then the internal operations. And um, what's really cool is that what you see with Taylor, Gabriel, and Dane, and everybody else, Peyton, et cetera, what you see on the outside is absolutely how they operate on the inside. You know, So that's really good. That's As, as someone new coming into an organization, you're like, oh, that's cool. I know, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. I, know <laughs> I know who I'm dealing with. I know what's going on, you know? Um, yeah. So that, that's really critical to feel that there's some, some true... Um, they're just honest, right? Like you get you get what you're expecting when you're coming into an organization and then com- just getting up to speed on everything, um, communication, like Taylor said, it really comes down to trust. And that's just something that's earned and that's just takes time. Like you just yeah. have to know that it's, it's not something that just happens overnight. And um, to the experience piece, you know, when I'm, when I've been doing hiring in the past, I'm the type of person that I would hire someone at a uh, that didn't go to college, that went through the you know the school hard knocks, quote unquote, through multiple periods of experience, versus someone who came out with the degree and the you know the pedigree approach, but they'd never actually been in the game. Like I would always, always, always take somebody who's gone through the battles before, you know, versus somebody that has the credentials. It sounds good on a resume. 
yeah, but what have you done? Right. Don't tell me what you can do or what, you know, tell, show me what you've actually done. And that's, um, that's what I default to as well. Like to me, that's the most, that's the most valuable thing, right? Cause how hard is it to get experience? It takes years to build experience. So when someone steps into an organization, what's the value? Well, I spent, you know, 200 G's to go to uh, college with a degree, or I spent the last 10 years of my life, blood, sweat, and tears learning how to do it wrong, right, the sideways, whatever. That is far more valuable to me if I'm trying to add an asset to my organization, you know? And so that's just been really rewarding because uh, I don't have the degree, but I have 20 years of uh, some pretty real experience across multiple different sectors. And so, you know, it's, it's cool that we're in an environment in the consulting space in particular, where your experience is the value your you know, what you've done is the value that you bring, not the books necessarily the books yeah. or the, the degree that you've read, right? Like your experience is the true value. So yeah, I saw a meme the other day that was like, I just applied for a job and it asked me for my GPA and I wrote, I'm 35 years old. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Silliness, dude. Silliness. Well, um, I know Mike's got to go, but uh, man, this has been amazing. Todd, thanks for hopping on here. In fact, you should hop hey, thanks on. Thanks for your patience in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you, you should hop on as an audience member for future. Dude, episodes. I'm like a professional. I'm a professional peanut gallery member. Like, <laughs> I dig it. It's cool. It's got a good good uh, vibe to it for sure. Yeah, always happy to help yeah, out, man. It does. Hey, thanks uh, for people listening. Thanks for your time. You know, one of my biggest promises to you and Mike and Dane and our entire team is we'll never waste your time and we don't want to waste your attention. So thanks for investing your attention with us. We will continue to honor it. Um, do us a favor if you don't mind and just you know repay that that commitment by uh, leaving a review, a uh, review on podcast app or Spotify. These Those go a long way. So thanks for being here and uh, we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.